Hello and welcome to the Celtic Morning Briefing for Monday, the 21st of November. I'm Aidan McDonald and I'm joined by Sean and Tony, live from Australia. Guys, how are you? Not bad, Aidan, are you yourself? I'm not live from Australia, obviously. Just, uh, no, of just, course, uh, I could clarify Sean is not live. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm live from Inverclyde as always, but there we go. You wouldn't know I was live from Australia. It just looks like any other bog standard room. <laughs> I don't know, is it good day, good night, or well, probably good night when I am, yeah, but uh, one of them, but we're getting there, yeah. It, just before we get into it, obviously, just to draw your attention to the ticker down below, uh, we have a Black Friday deal going right now, so it's currently £1 for uh, six months uh, in terms of access to the site, so that allows you to get podcasts like this, video specials like the one me and Tony did the other day. You've also got features, data analysis, scouting, all sorts of tactics stuff. So, ticker down below, get yourself involved in that if you've not already subscribed. So, guys, we are obviously removed from the Sydney Super Cup now. So, as obviously the topic of this video says, the main lesson to take away from the tournament. Sean, how do you think it was overall in terms of both performances? Uh, both perform. I think there was a, a definite dichotomy with the performances, wasn't there? I know the results, uh, the results ended up the same way because they get beat on penalties, but the performance was much, much better against Everton. I think uh, I think you would agree. Uh, never took chances again. I suppose is the I suppose is a mantra from everything apart from domestic football this season. Uh, but Tony, you you're, um, you mentioned to us that that the chances that they passed up. If it was domestic football, you would you think they would score them? Yeah. Um, so I, I think I performance-wise, definitely better against Everton, which was obviously ironic because it was a better team, or the, supposedly the better team that they were playing against, uh, that the better performance came in. But the results, ultimately, the results never went their way. But I suppose that the same by the same token, it isn't necessarily about the results, and that's why I suppose the Coglu wasn't quite as annoyed <laughs> um, mm. after the Everton game as he was again uh, after the Sydney game, Tony. Yeah, I mean, we we bang on about it and he bangs on about it as well. It's it's that performance versus results thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And he is quite happy when he gets a performance. Usually the results will follow. Just mm-hmm. so happens he couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. But, you know, you when you went into social media, a lot of people, Aidan, were saying Celtic need to sign another striker. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> but it's one of them. It's a, it throws up a talker, doesn't it? That they are well, saying you need a more clinical hitman. There we go, Beach Boys, straight in with you, Tony. Uh, without yeah. stating the obvious, uh, it says without stating the obvious, we need a prolific number nine. And yeah. he's on to talk about Welsh not being good enough to play as a rotation piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spent enough time, I think, talking about Stephen Welsh the other day, didn't we? But yeah. uh, he, he, Beach Boy goes on to say Yakimakis off penalties. Do you think he's lost penalties now, Aidan? Do you think he's, uh, he's, he's, he's missed one too many now? Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a wee break away from the penalty spot for Yakimakis wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, I, me and Tony obviously discussed it yesterday, Sean, but we were we went into sort of detail about this, the recent penalty issues, if you want to call mm-hmm. it that. Obviously, Yakimakis missed one against uh, Livingston, Juranovic missed against uh, Real Madrid in the Bernabeu, and then the shootout, as much as it was a friendly. Um, what, what's your thoughts on this sort of penalty thing now? And do you have a sort of new choice that should be the main penalty taker at the club? They don't get many, that's the, that's the problem. But no, I don't I don't know, ultimately, because if you're taking... I mean, Juranovic, 
remember last year when, when Jagamakis missed his first one against Livingston? Whether you whether you thought at the time that Ange Postecoglou was simply backing backing one of his players, or whether it, you think he was being deadly serious that Jakimakis was a penalty taker, first choice penalty taker. If everybody's on the park, he would be taking it over Juranovic, which is what he kind of said at that Livingston game. Um, and that the penalties before that, Jakimakis wasn't on. That's why Juranovic had taken them. Now, obviously, the Real Madrid one didn't really settle that issue because Jakimakis wasn't on. Um, Juranovic also missed. And Yakimakis has missed again. And I, I, do you count it in a penalty shoot? You probably do count it in a penalty shoot, but uh, he's missed again there. So in, in terms of who's next up, I don't know because like automatically you would think should the captain do it, but then Carl McGregor has missed a few as well. So uh, <laughs> well, if he can have a free kick like that against Real Madrid and the Bernabeu, why not do it with a, a penalty? But put it this way, they've got enough attacking ta- attacking talent there that they won't be short of, of comers to, to, to want to take them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's quite boys club level where you have a penalty shoot competition before the start of the season and that decides who takes it but if they have then they'll have a third choice I suppose that will step up next time but we'll see he might actually double down he might just say no you can take it until you score but uh, I don't know Aidan you said Juranovic was still your man for the penalties didn't you? Uh, yeah just for when he's on the field obviously it becomes a, a different discussion if, if he's off but if he's on the pitch, I would still have him because he has scored five out of the last uh, six. I know that's going right back into last season because, as Sean mentioned, Celtic haven't had a lot of penalties this year. But in terms of maybe like a second option, that is something they probably need to think about because you've seen that him and Ralston have been getting rotated in and out quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'd probably agree with Tony shouting, and we touched on it a wee bit yesterday. Is I think Jota, uh, just purely based off his sort of technical ability from other set pieces. Gary uh, Mill saying Abada or Jota, Aiden, do you well, think Abada? Or is that another issue where he's not necessarily on as, as often as some of the rest of them are? Yeah, that probably would be something to consider, but his, his penalty was an absolute belter, to be fair. The one taking that shoot out, he rifled it right in. Uh, but yeah, he, he's another one that's kind of in and out of the team quite a lot, so I don't think you could rely on him always being the number one taker, but it, it's definitely something they need to think about, I would say, over the next, over this sort of international period. Uh, Tony, I'll bring that one to you. Alfie says uh, what's Celtic's problem with penalties, but he's not talking about scoring them necessarily. He's asking about Joe Hart and not saving them. Do you think that's fair, or is it just it's always against the odds are always against the keeper in that situation anyway? Me didn't touched on it on Sunday, and, and I spoke about my father ran football teams, and he always told his goalkeepers to watch the ball and, and just watch the ball, and you, you might not save it. Because as you say, the odds are stacked against you, but you could go the right way. And I've got a feeling that Joe Hart's a 50 50 guy, he'll pick a side. I think more often than not, he's, he's picking the wrong side. So you're, and then the first penalty on Sunday, I don't think he even moved, did he? Hmm. It was just slotted hmm. away. So, and I'm, not, and I'm not blaming goalkeepers per se, but. Craig Gordon didn't have a good record either at saving penalties for Celtic. Mm. Uh, you know, so I, some goalkeepers, it's just not their thing. They just get nowhere near it. But I think if you're a goalkeeper, surely, I don't know anything about goalkeeping to be fair, but if you watch <laughs> the ball, you should be able to go the right way. You maybe, And you're no save it because if it's, hit, if it's hit, struck well and hard, you have no chance. But see, that's just deciding I'm going to pick a side. And I think you're lessening your, your own chances of, of success. 
his heart strikes because a guy who's just says, right, okay, I'm picking right or left, and I'll go. Seeing a penalty shootout against players that you're never you're never really facing or, or it's just a friendly, that kind of thing, um, I think there probably will be an element of that, picking a side and just Ooh. going for it. But yeah. at the same time, by the same token, if it was a competitive game, I would be expecting the keeper to have done his research to the extent that yeah. he roughly knows what side people usually go and base it on that, that kind of thing. With Hart in general, he's, he's perce- the perception of his kind of personality in terms of, the, in terms of the kind of style that he brings to goalkeeping, even when he was at his peak, there was an element of gambling to it. He obviously yeah, he made, he made um, I don't mean just with penalties, just in general, but he made, uh, see the big spread save? Yeah. That, he does, that, that became his kind of trademark when he was with Man City and stuff. There's an element of gambling to, to the way that he comes out and does that as well, yeah. which... A lot of the time works, to be honest. And penalties, I don't know if it's maybe just that part of his personality coming through, and he, he maybe does just decide I'm going that way. But I wouldn't be so, I wouldn't be too critical of him for it in a penalty shootout against players that he, he's not going to see. See, domestically, domestically, I, I would expect stuff on a water bottle. I'd expect research, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. But and in Europe as well. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think it. I think there's always. I kind of feel for keepers in a penalty shoot because you're damned if you do and, and, and glorified, if, sorry, glorified if you do and damned if you don't. And in terms of st- sticking down the middle, if that penalty goes down the middle, he, look, he looks smart. He, look, he looks as if uh, he, he psyched him out there. But I don't think he's ever been the same since that pure low penalty in the, in the Euros. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. But, uh, you know, as I say, uh, every goalkeeper has their own philosophy and thoughts when they're dealing with penalties, Aiden. Some goalkeepers are good at it. Some can psych out opponents. Some are, some are not so good at it. That's fair enough. I, I, again, go back to a goalkeeper's not a favourite in a penalty shootout. Not in a penalty at all. And I, I always blame whoever the penalty taker is. I don't think footballers should really miss penalties. It's a free shot at goal. And, and you should get it right. You should be able to get it right. And see, the odds are heavily stacked against a goalkeeper. Every now and again, they'll pull off wonder saves. So I'm... Um, uh, you know, I'm kind of, I'm with you, Sean. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But I, what I do expect, certainly domestically, is to do homework. And that's, you know, and I, and I think that if if they know what way or aside a particular penalty kick taker chooses, then they should be going the right way. I'm not saying they should save it, but they should be at least being spot on. But this, this being sent the wrong way and constantly being sent the wrong way, I, I don't know, it just... It just smacks, that's to me, smacks a gambling. Just pick the side. Well, with penalties, Aiden, it's like, I agree with Tony, right? See everyone in a vacuum, theoretically, a professional footballer given a free shot from 12 yards, where the time to think about it should be able to stick that away every yeah. time, right? Uh, but pressure does weird things to people, doesn't yeah. it? So uh, yeah. I always go I always go to the basketball thing. They get free throws, and there's, there's not even anybody standing in their way or anything, and you'll see people. <laughs> In moments that's highly pressurised, that usually will 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 sink it. They'll they'll just they'll they'll, they'll sink themselves. They'll just uh, the pressure will get to them. And that same thing happens with penalty shoots. You see it. Um, it's almost as if let's see the the camera technique. Some 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 films do where it's kind of tunnel vision. It's almost yeah. like that. But you don't see anything else, and then you see people go to pieces. Now it shouldn't happen in a friendly tournament, but ultimately. Um, some people don't like that spotlight, and I suppose that can that can apply to keepers as well. I'm not saying that's what what it is with heart, but just to touch on your players should score it thing, eh, Tony. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, but obviously the pressure, the pressure oh, yeah, yeah. on some people. Yeah, 
you can see with some players just like across the game that there is quite a pressurised element and even during the friendly that was obviously something that got to them but uh, yeah particularly with Yakimakis is one I think that's still travelled to be honest I think Beach Boys mentioned yesterday that uh, went through his front window which, uh, <laughs> I was surprised <laughs> the way he hit his penalty because you remember Tony I think I brought it up last week or the other week there when he missed the, the, the Livingston penalty uh, when he missed the first Livingston penalty I had kind of spent three, four hours or whatever it was, going through every penalty he'd taken as a professional, watching the clips and stuff, and it was always the same type of run-up, and he never really blitters it. He never really blitters it. Uh, usually places it. I was annoyed when he tried to place it bottom left again uh, the other the other time, because bottom left was just somewhere he didn't score penalties. <laughs> he, he tried to put it bottom left and he wouldn't score. Every other place that he puts it, he was scoring. Uh, I thought it was a kind of point of principle, as if he was he was thinking maybe the keeper, this is the, not, not the Everton one, obviously, this is the Livingston ones I'm talking about, as if he thought the keeper's done his research, he knows I don't score from bottom left, so he'll think I'm not going bottom left, so I'll go bottom left, that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I was, I was kind of surprised he kind of chose the way that he chose it against Everton, because it just wasn't really his kind of style, so I don't know if that's because he's missed a couple or not. Yeah, possibly. I think he, I don't know if he, what kind of run-up he did, or maybe changed his mind halfway up, stuff, you know, because mm. it just seemed to me that he, he just got it all wrong, didn't he? Hmm. Yeah, Even, no, it was, no. It, it was, it was, it wasn't a great penalty at all. But ju- just in terms of like the Australian trip, obviously the results weren't probably what the manager would be wanting. First performance was quite disappointing, as he mentioned in his kind of post-match press yesterday. He felt a lot better about the the game against Everton. But overall, would you say that the trip was a success for the club in terms of what they wanted to achieve? Obviously, a lot of it was, you know, a bit of a PR, PR exercise. Do you say it was successful on that front? I think the PR exercise has worked and Celtic have been, you know, the, around the world and the club's been portrayed in the, the best possible light. And also, let's not forget, there's the financial element to this. You know, there's reports saying that the club could earn up something up to £6 million. And that's, that's colossal money for Celtic because he earned, what, 2 or £3 million for winning the title. So it's almost... Whatever it is, it's double or triple what you get for winning a Scottish Premiership title. So Celtic can't turn down these lucrative opportunities to make money on these commercial trips. And as I say, that's from that point of view, commercially, it's it's been a success. I think Andrew would have wanted the team to perform in both matches. And as a, and again, it's a brilliant showcase for the supporters who have been portrayed in the best possible light in a you know. In another part of the world, and it's it's all, it's just all adds to the feel good factor at Celtic at the minute. And and Ange was very enthusiastic about it, and he was asked about the kind of what was the next world to conquer, and I think the word Japan was thrown at him, and he, he didn't rule that out. So, you know, I I I asked him the question that the, the club are starting to think like a big club. You know, explore mm. commercial entities and revenues and markets, and that's all you can ask for Celtic at this minute in time to act like a big club in everything that they do. And I think that was a that was a part of that was about too acting like a big club, portraying yourself in another part of the world, showcasing what you've got. Yeah, they could have played better against Sydney, played really well against Everton, were unlucky not to win win the game. But I, when you do these things. Results aren't important per se, 
but their manager would have been would like to have. I suppose he would love to have won the, the Everton match, and he saw his disappointment. You he heard his disappointment after the Sydney game. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, these things are worthwhile, both commercially and uh, you know, it kept the players ticking over. They now they've now got a, a small layoff, haven't they? They've gone mm-hmm. on holiday, I believe, but it, it still kept them fresh. You know, for another, uh, well, another week or so, ten days mm-hmm. after the break for the season. So it's been worthwhile exercising that game because players like Carol Starfield get valuable game time. You know, Rocco Vata, Austin Law, mm-hmm. guys like that who are pushing. So for those kind of, uh, for that exercise, it's been worthwhile leading on 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 many fronts that way. I think. They got a wee break now, isn't it? And then uh, Portugal to play Stade Rennes, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think will be behind closed doors that game. But listen, everything Tony said there is is correct for me. Uh, commercially, it made sense for the club, as it will make sense for the club to go to Japan next summer, if indeed that is where they decide to go. Now, at the time that that was being kind of talked about as, as a potential next destination, I wrote an article, I think I wrote a newsletter about it, actually, just kind of, Saying that it's a no-brainer, I think everybody could could see that that was that yeah. was probably the, the logical yeah. next step, uh, given the, the profile of Ange himself over there, but also obviously Kyogo, Hatate, Maeda, Adeguchi, um, potentially even Kobayashi at that point if he's here as well. Um, it makes sense, but with any trip, whether it's Australia or Japan, but especially the long haul ones like that. Uh, for me, it's about the logistics because you can't you can't prioritise commercial activity over the actual preparing for the the plane side of things. Now, I think the way that the Australia trip is going to be perceived will de- will depend on how they they start again when they come back in December the seventeenth. Yeah. Uh, I think it, I think the Ange Postecoglou's made sure they've treated it not just as a commercial venture, but that kind of mid-season, pre-season that Tony's been calling it, I think that is the correct way to treat it because you're in the middle of a season, there's no getting away for that. This wasn't yeah. a pre-season, even though there's a certain amount of treating it as a pre-season. Um, with the Japan thing, if it comes to bear fruit, that, that, uh, if it bears fruit, sorry, that they do go next summer, as long as it's not a repeat of 2006-2007, Tony, and I don't yeah. think it would be because that was just insane. Uh, yeah. Do you remember it? The, the schedule yeah. going to Japan after the start of the season, two games into the season or something. Then they went to Japan, lost their games, get absolutely trounced, and then come back. And it just it just did not make sense what they've done. So I think it's a different time, different regime at the club and all that. They, I don't think for a minute they would make that that mistake. But this calendar that they're playing in at the moment, uh, because of the Winter World Cup and stuff, the the league season and, and the cup obviously doesn't end until a wee bit later. Um, so I think if they are going to Japan, it's going to be it's going to be quite hectic to get all that scheduled in in enough time where it, it doesn't affect the end of the season break or the start of the next season properly get underway that kind of thing. I know I'm getting off topic here with Japan, but I think it does kind of it, it does chime with it because it's such a long haul flight flight at different parts of the year. But um, yeah. bye. Yeah, I think it wouldn't be a surprise to see the club go to Japan when exactly they would do that uh, remains to be seen. But I think given the Obviously, the amount of Japanese players at the club, you mentioned they're showing the potential sh- signing of Kobayashi as well. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something they would uh, be wanting to explore. But uh, obviously, just to sort of finish up on the Australia stuff, Tony's obviously over there. Sean is not yep. there, I should clarify again. But, no, uh, good. Although, Aidan, uh, where is it here? Somebody's saying... Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I saw that there, eh? Ah, yeah, it's there. Uh, Peter King, well, must be Sean's turn to go to Japan then if uh, Tony was in Australia. We have some kind of... 
Kendo fight off, uh, Sean, or <laughs> Kabaddi fight off to decide that. <laughs> uh, nah, that that's hey. You're the boss, man. You can decide these things. <laughs> Gary McDowell's coming in, Tony, saying, are you going travelling now? We can't confirm you're not going travelling because actually you're staying to take in the uh, the final yeah. Sydney Super Cup game. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's no Celtic, no party, but you'll still be there. Uh, still, still be there to take in the occasion there. and complete the, complete the journey. So keep your eyes for the TikToks and keep your eyes for the features and the diaries and all that stuff, Tony, innit? Yes, indeed. Uh, I think it was... I've written another diary piece, I did do that, I'm trying to convince myself what I've done, what I haven't done, but I've certainly done that, so there's another one of them coming up, isn't there, Aiden? Yep. Please tell me I did that. It's, yeah, no, I can confirm. That. I can so confirm. But yeah, I'll be going to the Everton Western Sydney Wanderers game just to, just to complete the, the whole thing, but okay. I'm looking forward to that, that'll be, that'll be different. Tony, you're getting Australia, I'm getting Japan, but Aiden's getting up to the Highlands, apparently. So there we go. So what do we History of short straw draws, Aiden. <laughs> but no, I, excellent. But yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to travel, no, I'm going to finish. Finish what I started, Shawnee. Yep. Grok scissors, paper sauces. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had a, a highlight so far, Tony, from your time in Australia? Uh, oh god, that's a good one. Uh, do you know what? I, I think uh, I think just actually being here and then going and looking and, and seeing the Sydney Opera House and the Harbour Bridge and just actually looking and saying, no, because you, you're that used to seeing it on TV and it's and it's, it's just a world that you think you, you always say put that in the bucket list and some people don't make it, but that's just what I just stand there and take in all the kind of Marvelous, but I know it's a, it's a very touristic thing to do, but it, it's quite spectacular, you know what I mean? But to come here on the back of being with Celtic and to walk around there and see all sorts of Celtic tops and you know, lots of people and you know, wearing sporting the colors of Celtic and you know, kind of taking over, it's that's been you know, that's been the highlight, just sort of thinking, wow, and and the feeling that they have for Andrew over here is just incredible, they they love him, you know. but uh, and they, they genuinely believe that there's, he's a star in the making and uh, that Celtic are lucky to have him. They, they, they value him so highly and they're, they're just interested in his journey. And, you know, a guy came up to me when I was in the Acker Stadium and he chapped the press box window and he showed me a picture on his phone and it was of the wardrobe. <laughs> 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 and he ran back to his seat and, and I was killing myself laughing, right? And I, I said, I, I can't leave it like that. So I walked out and I said to him, and, and I said, how are you doing? And he went, he says, oh, I know you're busy. Sorry, he says, uh, he says Tony, I, I've just became a Celtic supporter since Ange became the manager. He says, but I'm a fanatic now. He's like, I devour it. He says, I, I watch the Celtic way every pod every morning. I read everything on the web. And he was there. He, he was there himself. He says, "I just can't can't be without it now." He says, "I don't know why I never had it in my life up until now." And I, I think the guy was about and he and he's forties, you know. And I was just like, "Wow!" And he says, "I just cause just cause Ange." And he went, "Yeah, just cause Ange." He says, "But just cause of this." And he pointed. And he says, "The fans are, are are magic." He says, "He's a he's a brilliant, you know." And he says, "He got and he was like going to book a trip to Scotland to come and see them at Celtic Park and." I just thought, well, that, that kind of says it all, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> to chap the window and show you a picture of a wardrobe and run away laughing. I mean, I, I was like, <laughs> you have to, I, I 
have to go out and speak to him, you know, and I, I think he was worried that he was going to get him into trouble or something, and so I came out of the press box and walked down the, the, the seats to be sitting in the aisle, and I, I just spent on it, and then he said to me, right, go and do your work. You know, he said to me, go and do your work, and I was like, okay then. <laughs> so I was like, all right, that's me told. But stuff like that, Aidan, I mean, you, you can't make that up, can you? I mean, that's just... That's mad. No, that is, that is a brilliant story, and I guess that just shows we're obviously well aware of the impact and just having at Celtic, but it kind of shows the sort of you know yeah. worldwide impact he's having at the club. Uh, there was a comment there. I'm just trying to find it. I think it was asking for your kind of thoughts, Tony, on the quality of Australian football overall. <laughs> just obviously based off the sort of small sample size you've seen in the Sydney FC game. I know we had praised the. Uh, Sydney FC after that game said, said they looked quite good. Do you have any sort of maybe general thoughts that you didn't mention that day? <laughs> I think that's the guy who was asking you about the wardrobe, Tony. Yeah, that's my spy. Make sure you're in at the game and all that. Indeed. I thought uh, Sydney FC played really, really well. But someone said to Ange, Ange after the game, they asked him, uh, you know, does that say a lot about the Australian league and the, the teams? And, and Ange said, you can't really measure a, a team on in a one-off game. The measure of a team is over the course of the season and and the way they finish in the league. And I, and I thought that was a, a fair point that he made. You know, he, he said, uh, you know, because Celtic were off it, weren't they? If Celtic are on it, what happens in that game? You, you don't know, do you? But he said, he said, if Sydney play like that uh, every week of the season, will they win the league? And he said, probably. Mm-hmm. He said, but they'll probably not play like that every other. Uh, week in the league, he said. So he says it's it's hard to have any kind of measure in a one-off game like that. But mm-hmm. what I, what I did say was that I was impressed by the way they played. You know, they, they weren't. You know, they were more attack-minded than Everton, weren't they? I they wouldn't be hard right enough, but they wouldn't be hard. And 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 Everton have got players that you instantly recognise. Mm-hmm. But that's what I mean. So the. The philosophy into it, and, and I think it, by the end, Sydney were worthy of their win, weren't they? The Celtic wear off it, and the manager was disappointed. Celtic came into the second half when they brought on, you know, like Sir Riley, Haxabanovich, Jota, you know, mm-hmm. so there was a marked improvement in Celtic's performance, but again, laid a bit of siege to the goal, couldn't score. So, but I, I thought Sydney were great, and people were saying, oh, Sydney could hold their own in the Scottish League, and whilst that might be well, it's never going to happen, so... I, I get those comparisons and stuff, and, and, and I understand them. But you know, you're you're basing it in the merits of, of one kind of ninety-minute match. But I, I thought they, I thought they played very, very well. And if that's the kind of general standard of the teams in the league, then you know they they, they gave a great account of themselves, and mm-hmm. you know they were they're a credit to the A League. I'm not an aficionado of the A League, but they they didn't they didn't say they stall out not to play Celtic, they came and played and had a goal, and they won and they scored the second goal in particular, was a terrific finish uh, a, 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 a sensational goal, you know just in its in its execution, so you, you have to applaud that, so I, uh, Andrew Galea comes in and says no relegation helps from the A-League, okay right for that. See, so the, these things uh, these are things that help in your, your understanding of, of where Australian or the A-League football is at, but I I wasn't unimpressed, let's put it that way. You know, you're there focusing on Celtic, but you, you're you obviously playing an opposition team and you take stock of them, but I mm-hmm. thought they were worth it, I have to say. 
especially for the first half performance because I thought they were very good the first half. Uh, Tony, a couple of comments coming in off the back of the you saying about apart from the spy part, obviously yeah. uh, about the guy saying to you, Ange has converted them to to being a Celtic fan. Um, was it Andrew Galea? Yep, Mark Viduka did it for him. That's what that's mm. what grabbed him. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of people will have that have that kind of story. That one person that just kind of flipped the switch yeah. and got them interested, and then they end up fans long after yeah. the, 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 per- mm. the person's gone and all that, but. And you know, he, he, I mean, he was as Aussie as they come, and he was just saying, "I'm a fanatic now." He says, "I just, mm-hmm. I can't do without it." And I just thought that that's amazing. And it is, is Aidan said there, it, and the manager touched on it as well. That you can't, you can't deny the fact that there's a global appeal with Celtic. There is a, a massive worldwide fan base. It's, it's, it's true. I've, I've just witnessed it for myself, and also lots of people were coming from different parts of Australia. Guys came from Brisbane and you know Perth, other places, you know, New South Wales and all that kind of stuff. And you know they were, uh, they were, you know, they were travelling from all over the country just to be here in Sydney uh, to to see Celtic play in the flesh, and that was their big thing. That was their stick. They were they were just desperate to see Celtic in the flesh because they got up at all sorts of ridiculous times in the morning, two, three, four in the morning. Sometimes said European games that they. Some of the supporters got up at six in the morning and then watch the game and then go to their work. Uh, you know, I suppose mentioned that himself. Can you imagine uh, that? Things are, but no, no, he, remember he, that? Do you remember that, Tony, Marco and then Mark? Yeah, yeah, Marco Viduka. A lot well, of confusion. Was he not Marco Viduka and then Fergus McCann went to fetch him back after he'd gone AWOL? And he came back as Mark. Fergus <laughs> <laughs> has done some kind of mind trick on him there, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you're not you'll now be known as Mark, you're never Celtic player. Come on, you know that kind of thing. But yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. It was one of the, yeah. it was certainly one of those because Marco Fergus went to get him and he came back, Mark, and he'd signed the contract basically, you know. So um before we go, we were it's whether and whether to bother mentioning it, but there's a few comments anyway. But you'll have noticed before we come on here that uh, Celtic's closest title rivals guys have uh, sacked their manager. Uh, Van Bronckhorst has left Ibrox by all accounts. Uh, any thoughts on that? Or he's pretty much the, the same boat as me that Celtic already got a lead at the top and all that really matters is what Celtic do at that point. Uh, it doesn't really matter who gets who gets installed across in Ibrox. I, I couldn't agree more with that, Sean. I think if you get distracted or allow yourself to get distracted, then, you know, complacency might creep in, you know. But I think mm. you go back to Ange Postecoglou. Celtic ran their own race last season when they were six behind, seven behind. Mm-hmm. They'll run the same race despite the fact that they're nine in front. You'll just not allow Celtic to be distracted from their main goal. Uh, yep. Celtic's closest title rivals, Rangers can bring in who they want. It doesn't affect what Celtic do. Does it? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't. No, it shouldn't, and it won't. I don't think. I think Celtic's got too much of a clear identity now, yeah. Aiden. For anything that happens at, uh, across the city, to actually knock the knock knock anything really, would you think? Yeah, I completely agree with both of you guys. Celtic just need to focus on themselves, which is exactly what the manager said since he came in, mm-hmm. and that will be what they do. I don't think really what happens at Rangers will be pointing into the players or the managers thinking too much. Obviously, it has a change, but I mean, that there's still going to be what, another four weeks or so without domestic football. So mm-hmm. it there's going there's going to be quite a 
period of time before we actually see whoever the, the new manager is coming in for them. But yeah, I, I don't think that will change any of the thinking and Celtic will just sort of kick on as they are. Just if you're interested, by the way, the the, the, the kind of three or four favourites for that job are Sean Dyche, Michael Beale, Ralph Hassan Hottel, and um, Stephen Gerrard. So could you imagine Dyche versus Ange Postacogo? Is a real crack clash of styles there, isn't it? But... Dyche ball. Dyche ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, aye. I think uh, the three of us are pretty much in agreement about that. That Fair enough, technology's gone, but realistically it, it's it's very much a run your own race nine points clear and, and it is all about what celtic do it's not really relevant um until until you're they're your next opponents really i'm seeing a couple of comments as well sean about Mus- muscat kevin muscat yeah yeah by the that would be a that would be a kind of Ange blueprint i suppose if they went that route but um yeah but it might be interesting to see the two aussies go head to head if, if rangers were mm. to go down that route having watched on what, what Ange's achieved since he came in, you know, it's, you, you don't know, but as I say, it, it certainly wouldn't affect uh, the manager or what Celtic are doing. Yeah, it could be Ange giving us a battle of Australia. Uh, indeed. Listen, well, that, it's all, you, you mentioned, Tony, just, just to tie it back into the Sydney Super Cup here, you, you mentioned when you were asked uh, and talked about the commercial stuff, it's all money. There's, there's Celtic, have, yeah. Celtic have come out of this, um, or will have come out of this break in the black. Uh, it's not cheap to sack managers and sack uh, sack backroom staff and all that. So from that, aspect, from that aspect, from that from that aspect, just remember that part as well. Is what I would of say. Course. Yeah, of course. And it's uh, and as Aidan said, there, they've got a wee window of opportunity of time to bring somebody in, but there's yep. no guarantee that they're going to hit the ground running, is there? No. Nah. And there's nah, enough of nah, a, there's, there's a big gap there, and you know you. You hope for that, what they call it, that new manager bounce, but they don't have games to get that new manager bounce. So mm-hmm. whoever's coming in will have like training sessions and stuff, and you'll know no until that first game. You went back, you know. Brown uh, Warrior with a great shout as well. If you want to want to think on it in this way, then you could almost say the Sydney Super Cup uh, associated fees and stuff like that that Celtic will bring in from it has essentially allowed them to write off the fee for either Jota or Cameron Carter Vickers. That makes it sound even more worth it, doesn't it, Tony? Which is why you 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 take these on board. You go on these trips because that's 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 the a, a fantastic way of looking at it. Hmm. You recoup what you shelled out for one of those players. So yeah, and then and by doing that and by showcasing your team and the fans and everything that's good about the club in part, different parts of the world, that's the spin-off that you get from it, isn't it? That. There is yeah. a, a lucrative spin-off from it and a, a commercial entity to it. That's not why you do it, but it, these things are important to a club like Celtic who do not have the riches associated with La Liga and, and the English Premier League. So you have to take advantage of these things when you're offered it. And as long as it, you said the logistics of it are fine and the logistics of it, this yeah. thing worked out perfectly for Celtic. Yeah. I suppose, Aidan, before you wrap it up, uh, just a reminder that the first Celtic player will be in action tonight, right, at the World Cup, Cameron Carter-Vickers, USA against Wales, 7 o'clock my time, Tony, I'm not sure what time that is at your time. 6 o'clock in the morning, my time. uh, Yeah, I'll be watching Will you be getting up? Will you be getting up? I'll be getting up for that, because I see my dark horse... Oh, of course, you'll be wanting them to get beat then, will you? You'll be yeah, wanting them to get beat. Yeah. I've always been a kind of 
I like Wales only because I always thought that they were perennial kind of underdogs and underachievers, and they started to when they started to achieve. I thought it was great. It was all seemed to be Scotland that put them out, you know, major tournaments. But I, I think uh, Wales do well. Why? I would have mentioned you know, yeah. if only like, a friend, friend of the show, Johnny Owen. He'll be exactly absolutely John, buzzing. Johnny as well. Yeah, exactly. I want to keep his good side. But no, <laughs> I if Carter Vickers plays, I I, I want him. I want to play well, you know, and I'll, hmm. I'd love to see him on on that stage get get game time and just to have a look at him and, and show what he's shown for Celtic since he came in. And I think uh, all the Celtic supporters want their representatives to, if they play, to play well and, and show up and enjoy it as well. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, but yeah, that's the England are on at midnight. Uh, Wales are on at six in the morning. And then there's somebody else on it. In between that is uh, Senegal versus uh, right. the Netherlands. So Jeremy from Pong could be on in that game if you're wanting an ex-Celt to watch. Uh, that, that, that could be Celtic a wee bit of money if they, if they get further as well. So That could be siesta time before the Wales game. <laughs> you know what I mean? or, 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 goodness knows, I'm, the sleeping patterns have been ridiculous. You know, but hey, that's, that's just the way it is. But uh, Get your red and black on for tomorrow night, Tony. <laughs> That's just that Western then, Sydney Wanderers, is it? And then Australia play, don't they, on Wednesday? Australia play France in their opener, is it, tomorrow night? Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow night, our time, obviously, yeah. so tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow night, so it'll be oh, tomorrow morning. Even, uh, yeah, Wednesday morning, morning or something, my time. So There's four games on in Tuesday, one of those days. Messi's playing... Messi's playing Saudi Arabia. Sorry, Argentina, they're called, isn't it? Not Messi. You said one of the one cup predictions is basically Messi FC, but... I know. You two, take the easy option, picking Argentina to win the World Cup. I had to remind Aidan, I had to get Tony to resubmit his, because I think he thought it was 1986. Player of the tournament, Diego Armando Maradona. Diego Armando Maradona. Diego Armando, exactly, yeah, indeed. I would, I would, have, I would just have done that ad nauseam for everywhere. <laughs> but hey, yeah, yeah, but nah, you know, but uh, I know you want to see the Celtic contingent of players that are there. If they play, you you want to see them show up well, give a good account of themselves, and you know. But I'm sorry, Big Cameron, I I have lent my support to Wales, so. Yeah. Must admit, Charlie McGarvey's got he's channeling the, the inner thoughts of the vast majority, I think, every time there's an international break, whether it's a World Cup or not. And that is first and foremost, don't get injured in your away. Well, he'll not get injured if he doesn't play, so there could be that <laughs> all of it too. You know what I mean? can't argue, can't argue with the facts. Not only are you back in Wales, but you're getting them dropped <laughs> for the team as well. Too, I'm, so. not, I'm not dropping them from the team. I'm, I'm just, uh, if you're going to think about it purely selfishly, <laughs> you know, uh, then yeah, if they don't play, they'll not get injured. So yeah. that there's no guarantee that they'll not get injured if they don't play. People get injuries in training and stuff. But I, I also witnessed the other day on a visit this morning uh, that Martin Boyle's out for Australia, which is a is a big blow yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah, which was annoying for me because I've got him on the bench, my fantasy football team. But anyway, oh, uh, yeah. Nah. shocker. Yeah, he and that's a that's a huge blow for uh, Australia because mm-hmm. Mark Bosnich friend of the programme, Sean, he was on the telly uh, covering the Ecuador uh, match uh, last night and he was uh, he was saying that news filtered through and they said they were, they were quite uh, a huge blow, you know, and they showed clips of Graham Arnold talking about him and stuff, so I was kind of like, oh, that's a shame, you know. I, I mean, 
I, quite, I, I actually thought Martin Boyle might be in my shot for the Scotland squad before he declared for Australia, but yeah. uh, they get in first. Uh, speaking of Martin Boyle, do you know who the other three, I think there's only three other uh, Scottish-born players at the World Cup? Okay, Jason... Jason Cummins, yep. Aye. Jackson Irvin, one of them? No. She's not Scottish born, no. Okay. No. Uh, right. Surely somebody will be playing for Canada as well. <sighs> yeah. Oh, uh, Willerspoon. Yes, David, David Willerspoon, aye. Yeah, There's one more. Uh, quite, it's quite hard, this one, but he's got a brother that, that doesn't play for the same country. Oh, is it Harry Suter? Yeah, it's Harry Suter. Aye, well done. The young guns got it. Super knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Did you see Andrew's comment, Aidan, before you said that? No, I think Aidan no, did. Very convenient, but I actually didn't. Uh, so, yeah, no, that, that's been really good today, guys. Obviously, just before uh, we wrap this up, just to point you again to the ticker down below, it's a pound for six months, full access to the website part of a Black Friday deal, you know, you get podcasts like this, features Tony's Tony's diary, which has been excellent, from uh, <laughs> down under uh, interviews, Tony's going to have a couple of interviews coming over the next yep. sort of period of time as well, so point of content there and get yourself involved if you've not already subscribed. So, yep, uh, thanks for that, Sean, cheers for today. No worries. Thanks, Tony. He's sounding Australian now, Sean, no worries, my yeah. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> drama. No drama. <laughs> yeah, no drama. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Indeed, plenty of. I think you'll think, but uh, yeah. But yeah no, no problem. Yeah. Cheers. Enjoy. No one's cheers to all the get people that were commenting as well. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers. Cheers.